Hello, my friends. Welcome to a new episode of Prosecco and Ponies with Tony. I can't believe this is already like episode, I don't know, I think six and people are still listening and they're still saying really nice things. I get messages uh, on like Tuesday of people saying, can you please put your episode out now? (laughs) So um, it just has been really wonderful. And I'm trying to come at this with no expectations, but I am but a mere mortal. And it's hard not to look at the analytics on Spotify, Podbean, etc. from time to time, uh, which is really actually horrible for your self-esteem because it tells you things like if someone only listened to maybe 30% of your episode, which is kind of brutal, but <laughs> ouchie. <laughs> but the fact that anybody's listening at all is really crazy and more than I expected. So what I try to keep in mind is why I started this in the first place. And I have hopes that the episodes will find exactly who they're meant to find. I only wanted to have a podcast if I could be 100% myself um, with no filter in the hopes that if I'm just being myself, then no matter how scary it feels to put yourself out there, maybe it would show other people that they have permission to do the same thing. I'm not special or different or enchanting in any way. I'm just a girl with a microphone who never shuts the fuck up. Anyways, on this episode, I want to tell you a few stories about my life as a partial farm kid. So I called this episode Farm Tales, like farm tales, woo, like duck tales, but less fun. Um, And I say partial farm kid because... I spent half of my time at the farm with my Nana and my Papa, and the other half I spent in the city with my mom and her horrible, 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 abusive ex-husband. Most of these stories are funny, but a couple are a little bit dark because we can't always have sunshine and rainbows, right? Also, I thought this would be a really good topic to slowly introduce the idea of Mimosa Mystery Mondays because the farm that I grew up on was really where strange things started happening to me. Uh, It sort of is like my first memories of kind of paranormal goings on. So just to start, I'm going to have a sip of my mimosa because I actually made a mimosa today because I knew I was going to prepare for Mimosa Mystery Mondays with this episode. So I'm going to take a sip and I'm going to try not to do it directly into the microphone. Oh my God, it's so good. Anyways, if you want to make your own mimosa, it has triple sec champagne and then you top it with a little bit of orange juice. I think the ratio is supposed to be like half of a half an ounce of triple sec, two ounces of champagne and then top with orange juice. I was too lazy to go downstairs to get triple sec. So I have my trusty favorite brand that will sponsor me one day. Bottega. (laughs) I say it every time and I'm like not fancy enough for them to ever sponsor me. But you know what? A girl can fucking dream, you know? Anyway, so I have Bottega and orange juice and I'm just going to pretend it's a mimosa. So if you want to have a mimosa with me, please feel free or grab yourself a coffee or a tea or a water. Do whatever you want. Now, I promised myself that if I was going to take the time to even do a podcast, I would not hold back. I decided that I would show my light, my dark, my awkward, all of it. And I guess I just don't see the point of being half authentic and then holding back the rest. 
So I don't deny that I am a very strange girl with some very strange thoughts. For example, I am absolutely, completely terrified of trees. I have been since I was little. I fucking hate trees. Forests are... One of my worst nightmares is just to be trapped in a forest by myself. Like, I I can't even imagine. Anyways, I hate trees. They're terrifying. I'm certain that things are in them and they're horrifying. I just, I hate them. I can't even tell you. I hate trees. I have a touch of misophonia. I think that's how you pronounce that. Misophonia, misophonia. Um, And that's basically, uh, it's sort of a disorder that causes an emotional trigger to certain sounds. There are certain sounds that just, they fill me with rage. Like they literally fill me with rage. And it's so I thought I was crazy for so long until I heard someone else talking about it. And then I realized it's a real thing. And everybody's sort of trigger for this is different. Like for some people, it's the sound of chewing or the sound of drinking. For me, it's hearing my husband scratch his beard. I want to fucking gouge my eyes out. Like when he scratches his beard, When anybody scratches their beard, I feel like I can hear the skin coming off of their face. Like it, oh, it just enrages me. Anyways, so I'm very strange. I also don't think that it's weird to sleep naked with your pets. So (laughs) I'm not without my faults and my strangeness, but it's part of my charm. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, I have about four-ish stories for you today. I've tried to record this several times now. And I keep bursting into tears uh, because I miss my Nana so much. And a lot of these are kind of about her or with her because of the farm. So if I start to cry again, I've decided to just keep going. And you just have to fucking deal with it. Because honestly, I can't spend nine hours trying to record the same part over and over and over and over again. So as I said, I've got about four stories lined up for you today. The story of Turbo Boost. Uh, The only time that my Nana in my entire life was ever mad at me, the cackle and country neighbors. So if you want to hear these stories, grab yourself a beverage or don't. Fuck, I don't care what you do. Um, But grab your beanbag chair, sit down and let's talk about some shit. (laughs) Okay, first, let me start off by painting you a mind's eye image of this farm. My grandparents' farm was off of Highway 42 in, do you ever, you know, when you have to like know if something is northeast, south, or west, do you ever do like never eat soggy wieners? Because I'm in my 30s and I still do that. Anyways, it was western Manitoba, sort of like northwestern Manitoba. And I don't even know if the road had a name or a provincial number. It might be Highway 145, I think. I'm not sure. If you looked at a map and you made a triangle from the towns of Rossburn, Birtle, and Shoal Lake, the farm would sort of be at the bottom middle of the triangle. Okay, you probably don't know anything about this area at all because it's very small, it's very not highly populated, but Birtle had a huge residential school that was built in 1894 at the top of the hill that overlooks the town. So it's very ominous, and it didn't shut down until 1972, which is really scary and really sad. There were 14 residential schools that opened and operated in Manitoba, and the Birtle Residential School is one of the only three that are still standing to this day. 
If you're unfamiliar with Canada's residential schools, I don't want to get into that right now. Uh, that's that's a loaded gun. But if you need a good cry, or if you need another reason to be angry, uh, please feel free to do a quick Google search. It's definitely a big part of Canada's dark history that people really don't like to talk about. Personally, I've been to Bertle lots, um, and I think it's one of the worst feeling towns I have ever been in, besides for Pahrump, Nevada, where my husband and I ended up once after we got lost leaving Death Valley, but uh, Pahrump is a totally different story for another day. Anyways, it's the kind of prairie farmland where you see the sunset forever, there's maybe a house every couple miles, and it's pretty much all wheat, barley, canola, and cows. It's the kind of secluded area that you can learn how to howl along with the coyotes at night, and you can come up with very creative ways to see if the electric fence is on or not. So if you turn right off the highway, it's about two, the farm was about two miles or so down the road. Uh, there was a super long S-shaped lane and then the farm. Now, the farm was a big, so you would go down the, you would turn down the lane and then do your little S shape and you wouldn't see the farm, the whole thing right away. Um, but then the farm was a big white trailer and then behind the white trailer, there was like a big falling down 1800s farmhouse that my mom and all my aunties and my Nana and Papa used to live in until it got, it got way too decrepit for them to stay in there. So they got the trailer Anyway, so there was the farmhouse behind the trailer and then there's like tractors and a combine and a swather and those big gas tanks, farm gas tanks that are filled with purple gas. I don't know if anybody knows what that is. If you ever were in the country, you'll know what purple gas is, but it, purple gas always smelled so good. And that's what we put uh, in the trike to run it. I don't know if anybody has seen those, but the trikes were like these three-wheeled motorcycles and um, they were a death trap, basically. <laughs> Anyways, there was also a big cattle shelter where I used to build my playhouse if it wasn't calving season, grain silos and hay and alfalfa bales that my papa would line up perfectly for me to play on and use as a maze. Uh, there were farm sheds with all his big crazy tools and big dugouts for the cows to get water. I was actually supposed to learn how to skate on one of those dugouts when I was little and uh, one time we were out there and then I fell and my Auntie Shelly laughed at me and then I never skated again, <laughs> which is really not Canadian, but I digress. Here's story number one. It's about visiting friends and about the only time my Nana was ever mad at me. Literally in all of my 30 some years of life while I had her, she was only mad at me once. So I'm very lucky. When I was about 10, roughly about 10 or 11, my Nana was busy. She was doing chore stuff. My Papa was out in the field. He was combining. And so I decided that I would take my pony Rocky and my dog Dino for a walk to go visit my friend Roxanne. Roxanne was only two years older than me and she was the only other girl within miles and miles of my Nana. Uh, she was really one of the only people, the only other kids that I would see when I was out there besides for there was a girl named Sherry. I saw her every once in a while but I, 
I know like my Nana and Papa were really close with Roxanne's mom and dad. And so I got to see Roxanne. And I believe that Roxanne was actually even at the hospital the day that I was born, which is so crazy. Anyways, Roxanne lived with her family about four or so miles away, maybe even four or five miles away. She lived down the same road as my Nana and Papa, but she lived across the main highway. So instead of turning right to go to my Nana and Papa's farm, you would turn left to go to Roxanne's farm. I decided to take Rocky, uh, my pony, and Dino, my German Shepherd, to go and visit Roxanne because it was a nice summer, fall day, (laughs) fall, summer. It was like combining season. I guess that was the fall. So I decided to take the dog and the pony to go and see Roxanne. I will say I did not inform my Nana of my plans. (laughs) I should have, but I thought, I guess in my head, I thought, well, she's busy. I don't want to bug her. And so I was just like, well, I'll take the dog and the horse and I'll be fine. I'll just, you know, I'll be good. So I did know some things. I I was a pretty wise kid for the most part. And I knew that I shouldn't ride Rocky all the way to Roxanne's because Nana was always like, that road's dangerous, the big grain trucks, blah, 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 blah. And I was worried that he was going to get spooked if I was riding him and a big grain truck came by. And I knew every time he gets spooked, he always bucked me off, which has landed me in more cow shit than I even care to think about. So I had the wherewithal to know I should not ride him because if he got spooked on the road with the grain trucks, it would be bad news. I at least knew that much. So I waited till Nana was busy. And before I left, I snuck into the pantry and I filled my pockets with Pop-Tarts for Dino and I and sugar cubes for Rocky. (laughs) So I'm 10. I'm in my shorts, my little jean shorts, and I'm moseying on down the fucking road, the big dirt road, gravel, I guess it was gravel. So I'm moseying on down the road with Rocky and Dino. Um, I've got Rocky on his harness and Dino's just he's a dog. So he's just walking beside me. And, you know, along the way, I'm throwing rocks for Dino in the ditch. And we're stopping for Rocky to have grass and for me to eat a Pop-Tart and for Dino to eat a Pop-Tart. And we're just, you know, having a great day. And when you're little, you sort of don't realize how the time goes by, I guess. So I'm close to the highway. Like, I can see... Probably I'm two or three hundred feet, I guess, from the main highway, which literally is a main highway, like trucks, semis, everything goes down that highway. So I'm getting ready. Like I see the highway coming up and I know that the neighbors, the people that lived across the highway, they always had these big Clydesdale horses, those big, beautiful horses with the fancy feet that have like big hairy feet. They always had big horses. And I knew, even in my childhood, that sometimes horses get bitchy. And so I thought, okay, I got to make sure I stay on the other side of the road. So if those big horses are out, they don't run to the fence at Rocky and I, because then he's going to, like, he's going to get scared and I'm going to get scared. So I, I even knew that. I knew, like, stay away from the big horses over there, stay on the other side of the road. So I'm getting closer and closer and closer to the highway. And all of a sudden, I hear this sound behind me. And I turn and I look 
and there's honking and it's a dirt road. So there is dust flying. It's flying. It looks like there is somebody barreling to me at the the speed of a thousand rockets. And I look and I'm looking closer and I'm like, oh my God, there's a car coming and it's honking and honking and honk. It literally sounded like the person was just holding on to the horn and not letting go. And I'm like, oh shit, I got to get out of the way. I move over into the ditch. So I'm holding my horse with one hand and I sort of have my hand on Dino's head, the other hand on Dino's head, just, you know, telling him to like stay. So none of us get hit by this person driving like a maniac. And then it gets closer and closer and dust is flying and the car is still honking. And I look and it's this little silver uh, pony. I think they're, I think you pronounce it a Hyundai or Honda. It's like H-Y-U-N-D-A-I. I think it's Hyundai. It's like this old car, little silver car. It's my Nana. And she is the maddest I have ever, I've never seen a person this, I mean, I have, but not her. She is the maddest I've ever seen her. My Nana never yelled at me. Never, ever, ever. But she is yelling so much that I can hear her over the horn. And she's like, Brenda, Joe, Jesus Christ. And she's still honking and the wheels are flying and dust is going everywhere. So she screeches to a halt in front of me and she is fucking pissed. Like her hands are shaking on the steering wheel. She's so mad. And she's like, get in the fucking car. And I'm just like, holy shit. So I'm looking at her. I'm terrified because I just had this beautiful, dreamy picnic walk down this road for probably two hours. And now like Nana is acting like I've never seen her before. So she's screaming and I'm just like, oh, my God. So I start crying because I don't know why I'm getting yelled at. I don't know why she's so mad. So she makes Dino, Dino gets in the backseat of the pony, the like Hyundai, Hyundai pony. People are going to get mad at my pronunciation for that, I'm sure. Hyundai. I think that's how you say it. I don't fucking know. Anyways, Dino has to get in the backseat. She makes me get in the front seat and she makes me walk the pony back. So I'm holding the pony out the window with his red harness, walking him down the road while she is, you know, crawl, like we're crawling, we're at a crawling speed. So he doesn't have to, you know, get overexerted. So she made me sit in the car and hold him and walk him down the road back to the farm. And she is losing her fucking mind. Like I've never seen before. And she's just so mad. Like, I can't believe you did that. Those horses over there, the great trucks, the highway, like she's going on and on and on. So now that I'm older, I understand. Like, so I spent so much time with my Nana and Papa. Like every Friday after school, my Nana would drive into Brandon. She would pick me up and then she would take me out to the farm. So she was like my second mom. My mom worked a lot and I had a really abusive uh, stepdad. And I don't want anybody shitting on my mom for that because abusers, uh, years of therapy have taught me that abusers are very good at what they do. So you don't know how bad it is until it's it's really bad. So anyways, I spent a lot of time with my Nana and I'm, I'm certain 
I'm certain that a lot of that was on purpose because she wanted to get me away, which is really wonderful. But I had never seen her angry before. And, you know, so she had, I guess, been at home and realized, like, I haven't seen Brit for a while. And she looked everywhere for me. And I was gone. I was gone for hours because it had started to get, like, darker and darker and darker. So I was gone for a really long time because it, you know, it takes a girl, a girl, a pony and a dog. It does take a while to get down a long gravel road like that. So anyways, I know now why she was so mad. It's because she thought I was dead in a ditch somewhere, but I had never seen her like that. And I was so baffled by why I was being screamed at. Anyways, speaking of the little Hyundai pony car, That had so many good memories for me. So my second story is about Turbo Boost. And Turbo Boost was one of the highlights of my childhood. And it's so, it's so silly. It's so silly. But that little silver pony would take us into town every week for groceries. And so it would be my Nana and I for sure. And sometimes my Auntie Shelly, sometimes my Auntie Sherry. But we'd be going down the highway and where my grandparents lived, it was about a 20 or 25 minute drive to the town of Show Lake where we would go get groceries and my Nana would get mail and we would, you know, we would go to the bakery and there used to be a home hardware. And there was also like a Chinese food restaurant um, and it had that classic Chinese food uh, small town restaurant. I think it was like Ken's Ken's Chinese or something like that. It was very like classic, like all they had was frozen broccoli and carrots and then chicken balls and like rice with frozen vegetables in it, like very classic small town Chinese restaurant. Anyways, we'd go there lots. Um, So on the way to town, we would be in the car and keep in mind, like this was back in the 80s. Okay, so seatbelts were sort of like wear it or don't. Nobody fucking cares, right? Lay in the back, uh, lay on the dashboard. Nobody cares. There's no rules. Um, and so we would be driving to town and my Nana or Auntie Shelly or Auntie Sherry would say like, do you want to go faster? And I would be like, oh my God, yes, obviously I want to go faster. And so, so cheesy. It's so cheesy. And I don't know why I don't still do this. I should. But there would be this like buildup of anticipation and they would say, okay, Brittany, sit back because we're going to do turbo boost. And I would be like, oh my God, like, you know, little kids excitement where you like can't even hold still. And so they would yell three, two, one and then there was like a you know this anticipatory silence and then they would yell turbo boost and my nana would stomp on the gas and they would just push the air button on high so the air would blow really like into your face and it would seem like you were going fast even though my nana probably just went from like 90 to 100 But that was one of my favorite things ever. Uh, Turbo Boost is part of my childhood that I will never forget. So if you have a little kid that you want to entertain, they probably don't get entertained by this stuff anymore because now there's things like iPads and all that other stuff. But I thought, I literally thought I was in a rocket. Like, three, two, one, and I would just like, you know, when you're so excited that you're almost going to pee a little bit, like, that's how excited I would get. Turbo Boost was like one of the best things ever. Anyways, um, my third story is about the cackle. 
My Nana had, first of all, I know I've said this, she was the best storyteller on the planet, number one. Number two, my Nana had this great old like cackly smoker's voice and she had the best witch cackle you can imagine. Like I'm not even going to attempt to recreate it because it was amazing. So one night I was at the farm. It was a dark and stormy night. Um, And it was one of those storms where there's thunder, there's lightning, the satellite went out, the lights are always flickering. So we are sitting in the back, uh, sort of like the the entrance portion of the trailer. And the dog, our dog Dino, he was this big, handsome, amazing German shepherd. Uh, He, for most of my childhood, was my best friend. Um, but so he was really scared of thunder. So he, when he obviously country dogs, most of the time, especially back in the day are always outside dogs, but they would always let him in to come lay on the back couch when there was storms. Cause he was so scared. So Dino was on the couch. I was sitting on the floor and my Nana was sitting in front of me kind of, um, there was, so there was like the couch and then a big floor area. I was sitting on and then I was facing my Nana and behind my Nana there was like the microwave little kind of island section and the bathroom. So it's it's dark, it's stormy and my Nana is telling me this story about a witch and it's so amazing because my Nana was just so captivating with her stories. I don't know where she came up with this stuff but anyways it always was involving a princess named Brittany coincidentally. Um, But my Nana was telling me this story about a witch who was coming to get this little princess named Brittany. And it fucking could not have been timed more perfectly. So my youngest auntie, my auntie Shelly, she was only 12 years older than me. So really, she was sort of like an evil big sister. Her and I get along. Obviously, we're, we're tight now. But like, when I was little, I thought she was the meanest human on the planet. And I did everything in my in my power just to torture her. So she was still living at home. And like, I, I guess I had forgotten that she was home. Timed perfectly, my Nana's telling me this story. And then unbeknownst to me, at some point, my Auntie Shelley had come out of her room that was like in a room behind the couch where Dino had been laying. So she was behind me. I didn't see her at all. And there just so happened to be a big like clap of thunder and lightning. And so, you know, the big boom of thunder and then this big bright flash of lightning. And then my Nana did this witch cackle that I, again, like I can't even, I can't even begin to recreate that. But at that moment, my Auntie Shelley grabbed me by the ribs and just went and screamed and I didn't know she was there and I pissed all over the floor I fucking pissed all over the floor everywhere um and so I mean I feel like jokes on them because they had to fucking clean that up so that was oh my god I still remember my Nana's face to this day she was so she did not move a muscle. Like she didn't give away anything that my auntie was behind me. It just, the whole moment was so perfect that I hope to one day be able to traumatize my own child like that. 
it was just so perfect. Like you cannot plan a clap of thunder, a big boom of lightning, and then, you know, to scare someone like that. It was just amazing. It's like, it's one, yeah, I had so many good times on on that farm. I really did. So that actually brings me to my sort of last story. And that's about the neighbors. So in one second, but I'm going to take, I'm just going to take a sip of my mimosa because it's delicious. So hold on one second. Hold tight, friends. Do, 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 do. Jared, put some music in there. Anyways, neighbors, country neighbors. Oh my God. <laughs> country people. I love them and they are some of the strangest people on the planet. Not all of them were so strange, but some of them were very strange and some were amazing. Like Roxanne, um, I, I know I talked about her in my like first couple of things. Uh, Roxanne was one of my only friends out there and she was two years older than me. She was one of the only girls in like a seven mile radius. She had lived out there all her life. Um, She actually died in a car accident when I was 14 and she was 16. She went through a stop sign and got hit by a semi on the highway, which is so horrible. Um, Coincidentally, a few years later, I was going through my classic wild teenage experiment age and I had my first three-way with a friend and her boyfriend's brother. So that's a weird thing. Anyways, Roxanne, she just lived a few miles away from me and she was one of one of my best friends out there. I saw her every, you know, we would see each other all the time throughout the summer and all the holidays when I was out there. So I have really great memories of her and she had a really amazing family. Um, she had an older sister and they were just really good people. So I hope I hope that they're doing well. And then there was this other guy who there was a guy that I would uh, see my I think my grandparents were sort of friends with his parents, but not that much. Um, his name is Aaron Kachan, and um, he was kind of the only, like, boy that was close to there. And him and I were about the same age, but he was always kind of weird. Um, him and I actually, I had my first murder with him. We ran over a rabbit on my trike. Uh, I was driving, and I accidentally hit a bunny, not on purpose. And then, and then he had to kill it with a board because it was still twitching. So that was, that was really traumatic. <laughs> Like that was horrible. I should not have been driving that trike. But you know what? Farm kids just do whatever the fuck they want to do. You know what I mean? And then uh one time he dared me to kiss him. And it was like, you know, when you're little, like not little, I wasn't like five, but I was probably like eleven. And he's like, Oh, I dare you to kiss me. And then I just did, and then it was weird. Anyways, there was also a girl named Sherry that I talked about, and uh, I didn't get to see her that often, but she was so nice. And she would come over with her like family every once in a while. But I actually think she listens to this podcast, which is super crazy because she's on my Facebook. And she did message me once saying like I sounded exactly like I did when I was like eight, which is funny. And then down the road, like the neighbors, there was this lady named Ann Bart. And she we did that farm thing. I'm sure every country person does this. Um, I don't, Maybe even not just country people, but you know, when you like when somebody's just older than you, so you always call them auntie. So she was my auntie Anne. And one time, I, and I'm not gonna, I like, I don't mean to speak ill of her. She's passed away 
quite a few years ago, but I just, what if my memories of her is one time after we had moved from Brandon to Selkirk, she was going to drive me from Selkirk to my Nana and Papa's and she stopped, uh, we stopped at a place and she got me a donut, which I was so excited for. And then she wouldn't let me eat the fucking donut in the car. So she made, she got me a donut. This like, I still remember it was one of those like glazy chocolate donuts, not from Tim Hortons, but from like the Safeway Bakery. And she got me this donut. And then it was a three and a half hour drive from there to my grandparents. So I had to sit for three and a half hours in a car with this Auntie Anne, who was super religious, and I've my family's never been like a religious family. She lectured me about Jesus because I was goth at the time. So she lectured me about Jesus, and I had to look at this donut for three and a half hours before I was allowed to eat it. So, Auntie Anne, fucking why? Why would you do that? Anyway, (laughs) I just like who does that? Also, if you don't eat in your car, fuck off fuck off right now. Um, Anyways, the last neighbor that I want to talk about is Bill or Billy, Billy M. I'm not going to say his last name because I don't have nice things to say about him, but he's actually going to be my segue into Mystery Mondays, sort of. So Billy M was this creepy old guy that would come down and visit my papa. He wasn't quite a neighbor, I guess. He still lived quite a bit away. He's lived quite a ways away from my grandparents, but he somehow knew my papa. They were friends-ish, I guess. But Bill was a creep. He was a absolute creep. And my Nana knew that he was a creep. And so she would always keep me away from him. If he was coming down, she would see his car coming down the lane and I would get yelled at. Not like yelled, but she'd be like, okay, if Bill's in here, you got to go outside. You stay in the living room. Don't go near the table if he's over there. Like I would have a list of instructions for things. So like what a classic 80s thing to do. (laughs) You know, don't go around that man. He's weird. Uh, My Auntie Shelly actually told me recently that my Nana would always force her to take me outside if she was home and Bill was coming down. If you're an elder millennial like myself, I think that we were honestly the last generation to go through some really fucked up things like having no rules. I remember driving the combine. I was like nine and my papa would be like, well, doll babe, you take over. And I I would drive the combine. I knew how to start it. I knew how to shift all the gears. Um, I was basically the trike that my papa had was basically mine when I was there. If you've ever seen this thing, it's like it is a motorcycle, but with three wheels instead of two. So one wheel in the front and two wheels in the back. And I actually think that they're illegal in Canada now. That thing almost killed me several times. So I don't know how that even got past any kind of safety standard. But I think that they're illegal now. I don't know how many times I would come inside and I would have crazy burns all over my little bare legs if they accidentally bumped or touched the side where the fucking engine was. Those things were so crazy. Yeah, Honda three-wheelers. Those were death machines. I'm telling you that. I almost rolled that thousands of times. 
I also, one time I, I used to zip through, uh, my papa right behind the house had this big field that would be sort of like more the cattle field. Like that section, he didn't really grow anything and it was more just for the cows. And so I would rip back and forth from that fence to the fence, the back fence, which was, I don't know, it must've been a mile long. And so I one day was ripping back towards home on that. And I guess, so to, to get over there, I had to open the, open the fence. Um, and that's why I said like, you know, you go through these really inventive ways of like trying to figure out if the electric fence is on or not. So you like throw stuff at it or you spit at it or you try to pee on it, whatever. You know, you do weird things to be like, instead of like just like kind of bending down to listen, because it does have a hum, you do other things, throw a stick at it, throw grass, whatever, do the things. And I, so I had opened it to get into the field with the trike. But at some point, either my Nana or my Papa had realized like, oh, fuck, the fence is open. So they went and shut the fence and I didn't see it till it was too late. And so I was like zipping down super fast and then I saw that the fence was closed instead of open and I I barely stopped in time. I don't know how I didn't decapitate myself, but I went through the fence um, and I tangled up the whole trike. So I, I did eventually see it and hit the brakes and it didn't kill me. Somehow it was a barbed wire fence. It didn't kill me. And I only have one scar. I have a scar on my wrist to this day. So that is my only reminder of tangling up uh, a trike going through a barbed wire fence. And I also wrecked that entire section of fence. So my papa had to re-fence that whole gate and that whole section because I I tore through it with a trike. So you know what? The 80s and 90s were crazy times for millennial kids. Let me tell you that. Going back to Bill, if you listened to my last episode, my Nana and Papa were actually staying on his land by the lake when she ratted me out for calling the RCMP on that party that was playing the tragically hip over and over and over again. Going into my Mimosa Mondays, which was the point of telling you about Creepy Bill, I remember very specific times that Bill would be telling my Papa about strange goings-on on his farm. So if Bill was over and I was allowed in the house, I would be cordoned off to the living room. So my Nana would sit in the living room with me. Um, She never let me out of her sight when he was over. But from the living room, I could hear him talk about the things that would be strange that would happen. So he would tell my papa things like, his watch would stop in certain sections of the field. He would have flattened spots, like flattened areas that shouldn't be flattened. And he would tell my papa about having really specific mechanical issues that only happened in certain areas of his field. Now, that might seem like, well, whatever, you know what I mean? But please keep in mind This is old Ukrainian farmers sitting at a table, drinking rye and eating green onions dipped in salt. Like that's what they did. And it was not common to talk about spooky things or strange things in that environment at all. And so for him to bring them up and for my papa to never dismiss them as nonsense, 
that says a lot to me because they would be the first people to be like, oh, Bill, you're bullshitting or you're blah, 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 blah. And so for my papa never to call him out or to never say anything like that sounds crazy. That says to me that my papa maybe has seen some shit. So in talking to my mom, um, I wanted to get some notes for some upcoming podcasts that I have planned. And I discovered after getting her to call him that my 86-year-old grandpa has some strange stories of his own that I am definitely going to be sharing in some of the Monday episodes. Um, I just want to get some more details and stuff from him, but he's 86. And so for some reason, when I call him, he has no idea what I'm saying and I can't hear him because he speaks really quietly. If he doesn't have his ear, his hearing aid in, yeah, then we cannot understand each other. So I have to get my mom to call him. So I have to like, I have to get her to take notes and then I have to take notes from her. So I want to say though, the area that Bill's land was on, uh, so his farmland had tons and tons and tons of small bodies of water and it was close to the lake, which is why my grandparents had like a little camper set up there. So there's tons of small bodies of water, a lake, and there's lots of granite and limestone in that area. With that being said, I'm going to introduce you into Mimosa Mystery Mondays by telling you why those facts are important. Now, if you're a fan like myself of David Polites and the missing 411 cases, you will probably know uh, a little bit about his statements regarding strange happenings close to bodies of water, granite, limestone, and that happens to make up a lot of that farming area. So if you listened to my popularity contest episode, you might remember that one of my heroes is Chris Rutkowski, who's basically Manitoba's biggest like UFO paranormal writer. He's a professor. He's like a speech guy. Like he's just incredible. When he was doing research years and years ago, he actually uncovered a huge collection of documents going back to 1967 in the National Archives that showed the Canadian government had already been documenting UFO sightings in 1967. In that course that I did with Chris Rutkowski last year, he mentioned something that's super crazy, that in the 70s, he actually went out to that area, so around where Bill's farm is, he went to that area to investigate a strange field pattern, like a crop circle. And I think that the coincidence of knowing that now, taking that into consideration for the things that I heard Bill and my papa talking about, that says a lot to me. And I feel like that area has a ton of strange tales that old farmers just do not talk about because it's not, they just don't. They're church-going folk. A lot of them spend a lot of their lifetimes not even speaking English and sort of getting away from their roots and their culture back in Poland or the Ukraine. And it's just really taboo for them to talk about things like that, which is why I think it's so crazy that Bill and my papa would sit around and talk about this stuff and neither of them ever to my recollection, would say like, that's a crazy, that's crazy. You're, you know, you're telling tales or whatever. You're drunk, da, da, da. They both absorbed it and had their own stories to share. And I find that really significant, especially for those people at that time. Now, 
I don't really ever tell people this story because it sounds crazy and I know that. But again, I said that I was going to keep this authentic and I'm not I'm not going to hold back. So if I have something to say, I'm going to say it, whether people think it's stupid or bullshit or whatever. I don't care. So I remember as a little kid seeing a light in the field behind my grandparents, the same field that I was like ripping through when I ran into the barbed wire fence. So I saw, I'm like wringing my hands right now, just bringing this up. I saw a light above me in the field and then I had a subsequent experience that left me very shaken and my poor dog Dino that was with me at the time because he was always with me wherever even like if I was ripping through the field on the trike he'd keep up as best as he could. We were both shaken. He hid under the deck for two days after and I never talked about it with my Nana because I was scared of what she would say. And I was scared that she wouldn't let me take the trike out alone with Dino anymore if I told her what happened. So that, my friends, will be my first Mimosa Mystery Monday story. So you're going to have to wait. <laughs> that is all I have for you today. If you actually listened to this episode all the way through or any of my episodes, I just fucking thank you. It is so surreal that I even have a podcast or that any single person besides my mom is even listening to them. So if you yourself have a story, if you have a comment, I want to hear them. Please give me a comment if you think something sucked, if you think it was great. If you have your own story, please tell me because I want to hear from people. So you can find me at Prosecco and Ponies on Instagram, Prosecco and Ponies on Twitter, and Prosecco and Ponies on Facebook. Or you can email me at Prosecco with Tony at gmail.com. So that's Prosecco, P R O S E C C O with Tony at gmail.com. That's it. That is all I have for you. I hope that you have the fucking best day. Thank you for listening to me. Anyways, have a great day. Thank you for listening. <laughs> That's all I have. So please don't think I'm crazy. Uh, I'm not crazy. I promise you just, you know what? Strange things happen. And if we can all talk about strange things happening, then they don't seem so strange, right? Thank you for listening. Have a great day. 